The life of a logger has never been easy. The log driver's waltz with its dangerous footwork and treacherous choreography has always been a dance of fate and death. But when you add murder as a partner, the darkness lies within us, adds to that uncertainty and fear found within our hinterlands. We begin tonight with a story hell or high water. Hell or High Water by Ray Maitland. Hemsworth dipped his arm into the frigid river, his blackened fingers feeling their way along the underside of the ice. The coarse, unmistakable fabric of the dead man's coat brushed against his skin below. Hemsworth's eyes darted up to mine. Les, he said, I think I found him. The boss at camp didn't have a name as far as we were concerned. He was a brutal, miserly man who towered over most of us. All of us, in fact, except for Hemsworth. The first weeks of May on the Gatineau were cold and wet, and the crew were nearly always moaning about one thing or another, the price of lumber or the 50-cent day wage drop. Hell, some were even conspiring against the boss. (laughs) Or so the rumor had it. The ears of every driver in there were burning from some word of a lie or another, and the labor protests in the city were only fueling the flames. Since the ice had broken, the boss had run us ragged, the consequences of which were filling up the makeshift cemeteries along the river running south. But nobody talked about the death toll at camp. Nobody dared. It was the year 1872, and business, at least around here, meant burying some men. Mason a stocky, dark-haired fellow who ran the mess hall, caught me outside the kitchen one night. His eyes were narrow and face pale as bleached rice. Les, he whispered, tell me what happens to Roberts and the boys. His hot, misted breath was catching the light from his torch. Nothing, I said. I don't know nothing about it. His eyes searched me. You know Roberts and me got money tied up, don't ya? He hissed, gripping my arm like a vice. There's a lot riding on him and the boys turning up you here. He checked over his shoulder and shoved me off, shutting the door to the hall behind him as he left. I caught up with Hemsworth a moment later, dragging his feet and mumbling to himself on his way past the fire. He swung around at me, eyes bloodshot, his mustache laced with ice. He looked as though he were about to warn me of something when suddenly Boss's voice broke through the darkness behind us. I'm putting you two on search and rescue tomorrow. Hey, now, Hemsworth started to launch into a complaint. Shut your mouth, boy. Boss's rotten front tooth edged over his dry lip, just barely visible by the campfire light. Green, Roberts is gone. The boys, too. After dark, I'm sending you two out to find him. Boss came in close. And whatever you find, I want you to make disappear. Well, I didn't sleep that night. I just laid in my cot looking up at the wet snow gathering on the roof of our canvas tent. My mind was racing. What did he mean, make disappear? And what kind of money would Roberts and Mason have tied up? What did that have to do with me anyway? I looked over at Hemsworth, hunched on his bed, writing by candlelight. Thoughts to his wife, he said. His wife, Maggie. She was a woman that men would fight for. But when she fell ill, I couldn't let him leave. He was my partner, and I wouldn't drive without him. I thought about how he'd gotten strange since she'd died alone that winter. 
He weren't right in his mind if you asked any of us, but he was as close to family as I had out there. Some men wear their grief, others get worn. Driving logs is all about balance. Your feet, at once knowing each log's weight on the surface, its length and width, also need to feel its point of balance to keep you above water. Hardest job in the world, but we were each richer than any man in some mine or pushing paper in town. With long, sharpened spikes like lassos, we were cowboys on the good days, dead men on the bad. The day was grueling. At dusk, I motioned to Hemsworth to follow me after the others had settled by the fire. Not knowing why, really, I slipped into the hull of Boss's boat and we paddled out into the fading light, unnoticed. It wasn't long before we got to a spot where Hemsworth jumped out. Less, he said. I think I found him. I stepped out from the boat to join him on the ice, a hand on the frozen bow to steady me. Flooded with fear, I lit a torch to see what he'd found. What Hemsworth pulled out didn't look like the body of a man, though I suppose you could say it was the bulk of it. The mangled, frozen torso scraped the underside of the ice as Hemsworth grabbed it, dragged it out with all of his force. Congealed blood pooling on the fresh snow. My hand shook wildly as I held the torch overhead. He brushed a thin layer of snow away from the ice, revealing the submerged head of a tortured man underneath, eyes hollowed out and mouth filled with bared and bloody teeth. It was Robert's. Like a rabid animal, Hensworth turned and launched himself at me, knocking the torch from my hands and into the water, sinking us both into darkness. I scrambled for the boat, kicking my oar out of reach. Hensworth gripped my leg desperately. Lass, he pleaded. Boss made me do it. He made me do it. Don't you believe me? I hollered and kicked my legs out against him. I would have made it painless for you, though, Lass, even after all you've done. Even after Maggie. I turned and launched myself onto the boat, out under the river's current and the black night. And that's all I know. When last I saw him, Hemsworth was alive. I swear to you, Constable, I had nothing to do with the death of either of those men. That is one logger's waltz you will not see on an NFB short. <laughs> <laughs>